0: Bibles. Let's look into our scriptures. I want to look at a passage in Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 to 21 as we turn to the word of God and we pray that his word would embed itself deep in our hearts that we might become more like his son. Philippians, the book of Philippians, one of the prison epistles written by Paul chapter 3 verse 20 through 21. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 to 21. Paul writes this to the church at Philippi while he is under house arrest, and he reminds them of their home. For it says here, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ." who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. Let's bow in a word of prayer together before we begin our study this morning. Our God in heaven, once again, we ask that You would open our eyes that we might see Great and mighty things from thy law. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I usually enjoy doing while uh, we have the kids in here, I'm going to need your help. So, all of you who are in fifth grade and under, can you raise your hand if you're in fifth grade or under? Good. I'm going to be talking today about heaven. About heaven. How many of you have heard of heaven before? Good, I hope all of you have. I want to know what you know about heaven. So what can you tell me about heaven? Can you tell me something that you can think of? What's heaven like? Can you tell me something you can think of about heaven? All right. Josephine? Oh, um, Like the roads are supposed to be made out of gold or something? But the roads are supposed to be made out of gold or something. Hmm, good. What else do so you think of heaven? Some of the youth, too. You're... Right? Uh, Something about heaven. Yeah, darn. God's presence. God's presence. That's where God is. Good. What else about heaven? Can you tell me about heaven? Heaven is God's kingdom. Heaven is God's kingdom. Yes. And can you tell me something else about heaven? What do you know about heaven? Jesus. Jesus is in heaven, isn't he? Right. What else about heaven can you tell me? Somebody else? There must be more. Don't be shy. What can you tell me about heaven? Oh, now you don't want me to pick on you. Oh, thanks. There is no sun. There is no sun in heaven. Oh, very good, Johanna. What else do you know about heaven? Anything else you can tell me about heaven? I see a lot of smiling faces here. Alex, where is Alex? Alex, all right. Can you tell me about heaven? There is no darkness. There is no darkness. And you know, there's a, a number of things that we have here on earth that we don't have in heaven. You know, I heard a funny story or read a funny story not long ago about a man... And this is a a story, it's just a fictitious story, but this man was a very wealthy Christian. He was a very wealthy Christian, he had a lot of things that he owned, but he knew that the Bible said that you couldn't take anything to heaven. But he was determined that he really wanted to take things to heaven, so he prayed and prayed and prayed to God, God, I want to bring something to heaven, let me bring something to heaven. And, And God finally relented in this story and said, okay, you can bring one suitcase. And the man scratched his head. What am I going to put in that suitcase? And so he thought and thought and thought. And then he finally decided to pack that suitcase. And then one day he died. And there, the next scene, you see him. He's dragging this heavy suitcase to the gates of heaven. And there, Peter comes out and says, Hey, wait a second here. You can't bring anything from earth to heaven And the man said, well, I know that, but I have special permission from God that I can bring something into heaven. One suitcase, he said. And Peter stroked his beard and he said, well, that's rather unusual, but um, I can't imagine God really letting you do that. Let me take a look inside of that suitcase. So the man said, okay. And he unlocked all the locks and took the key and unlocked that lock and then opened up the suitcase and out spilled all of his gold bars and gold ingots and gold jewelry that he had kept for all of these years because he was a very wealthy man. And Peter said, well, all right, if God said so, I, I suppose you can take that in if you want. But why in the world did you go through all that trouble just to bring more pavement into heaven? <laughs> well, we think of heaven many times is not what God thinks is valuable. We think all of these things that we do on earth, all of these things that we collect, we can someday take with us. And you've heard stories in the news about how people are buried with their car or their guitar or whatever it might be. But the things that we think that are valuable oftentimes here on earth, well, you know, it's often very, very different because we can't bring any of that to heaven. It's funny what people think of heaven in a Newsweek poll, magazine poll about 10 years ago, three out of four Americans believe heaven's a real place and in a Gallup poll three out of four people believe that they'll be going to heaven even though many of those people openly admitted they never attended church, read the Bible or prayed or anything and they admitted they would live for themselves. People have various concepts of what heaven is like. Some people traditionally think that someday when you get to heaven you'll be sitting on a cloud, given a harp Give in a pair of wings and put it it on a halo and you'll be singing for the rest of your life. Other people think, well, I'm going to join the heavenly choir because I love to sing. Some people think they might even be the heavenly choral conductor. Some of those images, though, that we have of heaven, to some people, sound boring or bleak. It makes heaven sound like a place of monotony. And that's... Unfortunate, because the Bible doesn't talk about heaven in those terms. The Bible talks about heaven in vastly different terms than what people think. As I mentioned to you, some people think that maybe you'll even die and just float around as a spirit. Some people think that, well, you know, a Western concept of heaven is very individualistic. People think, well, I'll be reunited with my dog. I know many of you are dog lovers. Some people think, well, if they're poor, they'll never have to work there. And they think about how it would meet their own needs or whatnot. Some who are, for instance, Jews believe that heaven will someday be a paradise on earth where the souls of people who died will be reunited with their body. Well, you take those of a Muslim faith. Moderate Muslims see heaven as merely symbolic. But you have those who are fundamentalist Muslims who believe that if you die as a martyr, you'll go to the seventh heaven and there you'll be attended to by virgins. You'll be on very nice uh, upholstered couches and there'll be two kinds of every fruit, etc. Sort of like what Muhammad Atta wrote in his little note before he was a suicide bomber. He wrote, quote, It will be the day, God willing, you spend with the women of paradise, unquote. Unfortunately, how people think of heaven is not what heaven is like. Many times they think about how much fun they'll have or how pampered they'll be or those who are golfers think about the perfect greens that are on heaven. Yet, they think too might be boring because they'll always make holes in one. Who knows what heaven might be like from their point of view, but the common thread through all of these, have you noticed? The common thread is that it's what? It's man-centered. It's me-centered. What am I going to enjoy? How is heaven going to cater to me? It's self-focused. Isn't it so selfish we think about how heaven is? The center of our dreams. And heaven is all about us, we think. But it's not. The Bible paints for us a very different picture of what heaven is really like. And the Bible paints for us pictures, whether it be through Isaiah, through the prophet Ezekiel, through the apostle John or whomever, of what heaven is like. How heaven is filled with worship and the throne of God and the glory of God. The new heaven and the new earth which will come and that which will be part of heaven and the worship that takes place there. And that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. And today I'd like to turn your attention to three key questions that people have. What should we be thinking about? Secondly, what is heaven like? And what will we be like and do in heaven? What is heaven like, number two, and then what will we be like and do in heaven? The first thing that the scriptures point to us to when we talk about the subject of heaven, I'd like to show you is in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you turn there in your Bibles, the book of 2 Corinthians answers the question of how are we to think 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 and then we'll be looking at the book of Colossians. How are we to think? And the answer is we are to be people who are heavenly minded, who think about heaven. 1 Corinthians 4:18 says this, "While we look, Paul writes here, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, But the things which are not seen are eternal. For we know that if this earthly tent, he's speaking about his body, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Where was his mind set? It was set on heaven. And we see that in Colossians, in the book of Colossians. If you flip there, the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Of having a heavenly mindset. Of having a frame of mind which is focused on heaven. Colossians 3, verse 1 to 2. Therefore, if or since you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are here on the earth. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are here on the earth. And you know what? That's what Jesus reminds us of when he talks about treasures in Matthew chapter 6. He says what? Do not store up for yourselves, what, treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But, what, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, nor thieves break in and steal. Why? Because that's where our home is. We read in the scripture reading this morning, in Philippians chapter 3, that our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven for which we eagerly wait for a Savior. We're pilgrims passing through. If you've ever been on a vacation, how many of you have ever been on a vacation? You've been on a vacation. Have you gone somewhere, you've been out of town, maybe you've been in a camp. Well, after the first day or two, you're fine. You're having such a great time. Maybe it's the first week. But after a while, you travel and you travel and what do you feel like? You feel like, well, it's maybe time to go home and you feel like you miss your own bed and you feel like you miss home-cooked meals and the regular routine of life and it's time to go home and it's the same feeling that Paul perhaps expresses here where home is not this earth home is in heaven and sometimes life can be that way when life is particularly difficult God encourages us by encouraging us to think of life as we're passing through. That this is not our home. Our citizenship is not here. Sure, God has has given us things to enjoy, but that is simply for a time. God has given us work and a ministry and things to do. But this is not our home. This is not our home. Our citizenship is not here. We don't belong here. Our home is in heaven and someday we long to go to heaven. And that is the first thing of what are we to think of? We're to have our minds set on heaven. Secondly, what is heaven like? What is heaven like? It is filled with worship. With worship. If you turn in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, we looked there in the book of Revelation there, the Apostle John, he writes there, and he says, in verse 1 and 2, After these things I looked, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking to me, said, Come up here, come up here. And I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne. A throne was standing in heaven and one sitting on the throne in chapter 4. There John is translated in his mind's eye and God shows him a picture of heaven. Immediately, he says he was in the Spirit. And behold, what did he see? He didn't travel through some long tunnel with some light at the end of it. He didn't travel in some dream where he was looking at his own body. He saw the throne of God in heaven and one sitting on the throne. The throne of God. The throne of God is what he sees. In Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah sees a vision of God, he sees a vision of Christ on the throne as well. The throne of God is used many times, 39 times in the book of Revelation. And it says in verse 3 of chapter 4, And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone. And a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne. Like an emerald in appearance. This is what you glimpse of in heaven. His glimpse of heaven was one. Christ sitting on the throne of God. Like a jasper throne. Now a jasper throne was like an opaque crystal and quartz. In the, in the time it was perhaps a green. But in ancient times it could have been uh, sparkling like a diamond. Crystal clear. And Sardius in appearance, Sardius was a fiery red ruby. A name, it was a name that that city in the, in the chapter 3 and 4 take on the name of the city of Sardis. And these two stones, Jasper and Sardis, were the two stones that were the first and the last stones that were on the, the, the high priest's breastplate, you see, because the high priest in Old Testament times wore a breastplate. And on that breastplate, he wore twelve stones, each stone one representing each of the tribes of Israel. The Sardius stone, that which was a, a crystalline Diamond-like stone represented the tribe of Reuben, which was first. And the last one, that of the jasper, represented Benjamin, a fiery red stone. And here John sees a picture of heaven. In which the one sitting on the throne, with flashes of of, of light coming from it, and a, and a fiery red light as well, flashing from it, that is what it looked like. And around the throne, there is an emerald green rainbow in shades of different colors. There, and John sees this vision. And what else does he say? Verse 4, and around the throne there were 24 thrones. On the thrones he saw 24 elders sitting, and these are representatives of the church, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their heads. So you see the throne of God in heaven, the throne of our Lord Jesus Christ sitting on there. There is a sea of glass, the scriptures say, before the throne of God. In verse 5 of chapter 4, continuing on, out of the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God or the sevenfold Holy Spirit. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion. The second creature, like a calf. And the third creature had a face like that of a man. And the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. In the book of Ezekiel, in chapter one, there are identified these flying creatures as cherubim, as cherubim, which are special classes of angels. There are the seraphim, but here are the cherubim. It was the cherubim that stood in front of the Garden of Eden when Adam had sinned. And he was cast out of the Garden of Eden. It was the cherubim that stood guard to let no one in. It is the cherubim who have their wings raised above their head to hide their face when two of them are there on the Ark of the Covenant. And it is the cherubim that are continually around, around the throne of God, each one of them having six wings, it says in verse 8, full of eyes around and within and day and night. This is what they say in verse 9. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, to Him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before Him who sits on the throne and will worship Him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are You, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for You created all things, and because of Your will they existed and were created. Do you see the crescendo of worship that is here? Chapter 4, verse 8. There are the four living creatures which are around the throne saying, Holy, 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 the Lord, the Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And then the 24 elders bow down and they cast their crowns before the throne. And in chapter 5, verse 8, it tells us what? That these elders, they take their harps. You wonder if there are ever harps in heaven. Here there are harps in heaven. And you wonder. And verse 8, it says what? That they take their thrones. They thrall down, each one holding a harp and a golden bowl full of incense, which are prayers for the saints. And they sang a new song, it says. Worthy are you. Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. Men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And in chapter 5, verse 13, it tells us that every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea... They said, to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And there is continual worship of God. Does it not remind you of Philippians chapter 2, which says that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess on earth and in heaven and under the earth that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I've shared with you before that it will be everyone who will bow the knee. And so you have an opportunity now. Do you bow the knee to Jesus by your own will? Or do you bow the knee to Jesus because we will be made to bow in the future? We could choose to worship God and bow in submission to God now and follow Christ lest we be made to bow later. Revelation 22 Verse 1, the end of the book, tells us more about what heaven will be like. Gives us a picture in verses 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. And there will no longer be any sea. Not only is there worship, but this describes what heaven is like. It's described oftentimes by what it is not. Here it says a new heaven by quality. A new heaven. It is not a remodeled earth. It is a new heaven and a new earth. Completely new. Heaven is characterized by what's not there. It says there won't be any other sea. Won't be any other sea. You Imagine that. The earth is 75% water. And it's interesting whenever you look for for for. A new planet. These scientists and they write in these journals about they're looking for a new planet. You know what they look for? They look for water. Because to them, water sustains life. But it says here, there is no sea. God is the one who sustains life. Perhaps it's a removal of any barriers between anything as well on this new earth. But there is a throne. Chapter 22. There's a river of life of the water of life clear as crystal coming from the throne of God and on of the Lamb. Of the Lamb. And verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no longer any death, no longer any mourning, no crying, no pain. The first things have passed away. No more death, no more sadness, no more crying, no pain in heaven. Heaven will be a perfect place. Heaven will be a perfect place. Nothing to make us sad. Perhaps tears of joy which God will wipe away, but none because of sin. Sin causes us to have sadness and sorrow, doesn't it? It causes us to feel bad. Sin causes us to have conflict with other people. We feel pain. We feel the pain that sin brings. The remorse, the guilt. We will experience none of those things in relationship to sin because no more offenses there will be and relationships will be perfect with each other and there will be no more sin that corrupts. No more conflict between spouses, no more arguments with your parents, no more friends that rub you the wrong way. No more employers and employees and conflicts that come because of companies, organizations or whatever it might be. People, there will be harmony in heaven. And all you have to do, you see, to see the tragedy of our world is open up the front page of the newspaper and there it is. Heaven will not have any of that. Because heaven is a place of worship. Heaven is a place that is perfect. The last question is, what will we be like? What will we be like, and what will we do in heaven? The answer is we'll be, we'll be, like Christ. And some people wonder, boy, will I, will I, will I, how, what will I look like? I mean, am I going to look like a Mr. Atlas on the back of comic books, or am I going to have that six-pack that Michael Phelps has? What am I going to look like? We know, though, you will be recognizable. When Jesus was raised from the dead, it took a little while, but His disciples recognized Him. Somehow they'll recognize you in heaven. People will know who you are. And you'll probably even know people that you have never met. Do you remember in Matthew chapter 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration? When Jesus was there and He appeared in His glory and there were two people beside Him. And Peter saw Him. Peter never met Moses and Elijah before, but he knew who they were. So we may even know people that we have never met. I don't think that we'll have name tags. Hi, I'm Joe. But we'll be able to recognize them. And you say to yourself though, but how can I truly be happy if those who are people that I loved not in heaven? How will I be happy if maybe my spouse didn't know the Lord and how will I be happy if someone I know, my relative, my good friend? The scriptures aren't clear on this answer, but perhaps Isaiah 65:17 gives us a hint. In Isaiah 65:17, it says, I create, God says, new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. And the former shall not be remembered nor come to mind. Some say that the glory of heaven and all that is going to come eclipses our thoughts and our remembrances of things in the past. In other words, the worship of God will be consuming and the responsibilities that will be given will be consuming and we will just not bring them to mind. Will we forget? I don't think we'll forget everything. I don't think we'll forget the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus on the cross for our sins. I don't think we'll forget all that God has taught us in the past. God desires that we remember certain things, I think. But having a perfect perspective, a godly perspective, and contentment in knowing that God's plan is perfect. That is what heaven will be like and that is what will consume our minds. Certain things that cause hurt and pain won't be remembered perhaps or not come to mind. But what will we do? What will we do? Chapter 22, verses 3, says there will no longer be any curse and the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it and His bondservants, that's us, will serve Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads and there will no longer be any night. And they will not have a need of the lamp or of the light of the sun because God will illumine them and they will reign forever and ever. That is the second part, perhaps. No more curse. There's no more effect of sin. But what will you and I be doing? You and I will be serving Him. You and I will be worshiping Him. You and I will be reigning with Him. Do you remember the parable of the minas in the book of Luke? Minas are amount of money and God gave through Jesus tells us parable I should say of three people that money were given to and each of them invested them in different ways and those that were faithful do you remember what the reward was? He says you have been faithful in a little come be in charge of ten cities you you've been faithful with five you be in charge of five cities Perhaps that is a suggestion as to the reigning that we will do. Perhaps having responsibility of some type. But you and I won't be sitting on a cloud singing all day long. You and I will have work that is responsibility, that is a blessing, a ministry, a joy to serve God. To serve God with joy and reigning with God forever and ever. Heaven is by far a boring place. It is not one where people simply go and sit around and pamper themselves. And it's important, it is important to have a mind that is fixed upon the eternal, a mind that is fixed upon heaven. Because if you're going to touch this world for the Lord Jesus, you've got to think much of the world to come. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, writes, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. If you want to have an impact upon this world, you've got to have have your mind fixed upon heaven and the world to come. And the things that God gives us hope for, if you're going to minister to somebody who's hurting or somebody who is discouraged, help them to see the hope that God gives, the hope of heaven, the hope of eternal life. And it has been said that some people are so heavenly minded and that they are of no earthly good, which is actually not such a bad thing to be heavenly minded. Because our heart and our focus is to be on the eternal To remember that our citizenship is not here. This is not our home. Our home is in heaven. And we're pilgrims traveling on a journey. On our way to heaven. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. You have blessed us, Lord, with a picture of heaven, of the throne of your Son, of the brilliance from the diamond and the fiery red stone like light, the peals of thunder and lightning, the sea of glass and the emerald rainbow, of the cherubim who continually surround the throne with eyes the front and the back, saying, Holy, 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 the Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, who is to come. The picture of the twenty-four thrones of the elders representing the church, who have crowns, who bow in worship and cast them before your throne, For you are our Creator and Father, we desire to bow in submission to you. And our God, we pray that we might live in light of eternity. I pray, O God, for anyone here who does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, who has never given their life to you, who has never pledged their faith and trusted and believed that You sent Your Son to die on the cross for their sin, God, I pray that they might receive Your Son as their Savior, that they might have eternal life and the hope of heaven. For You, O God, have granted to us Your Word. We pray, God, that we might live in the light of eternity.